You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. Ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short routes. Boys are back. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Co. Matt Harmon here with you. I am back. I'm back, baby. I uh, had to serve a little, do, do a little uh, civic service here, uh, a little jury duty last week, but uh, but we're back now, and uh, and yeah, I'm excited to be back, man. Talking to my guy Matt Harmon. How you doing, pal? I'm doing good, James. Uh, yeah, it's good to be back uh, with you. Of course, we had a great couple guests. Matt Waldman, Nate Tice were awesome. Oh uh, appreciate them filling in, but you know, nothing's better than when I'm uh, looking across the screen here at my buddy James <laughs> Coe, and we can uh, we can kick things around here. So I am very glad you're back, and I'm very glad uh, your civic duty has been served. What a great amount. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I hold the American pl- uh, flag up high and proud. Uh, listen, l- I want to do a couple temperature checks here on, on a bunch of different teams um, and then do some buy or sell segments here. Uh, Cortland Sutton, Calvin Ridley, George Pickens, Marvin Mims. Where, what are, where are we on these dudes uh, that have been very up and down in fantasy? Marvin Mims has been only down, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> but I want to start with some of these uh, team temperature checks here. Uh, and I want to start with Atlanta. What a bizarre situation uh, it was in Atlanta. I know we're the the, you know, the wide receiver podcast or whatever, but certainly I think the number one storyline, uh, especially among fantasy folks yesterday uh, in week number seven was what in the blue hell was going on with B. John Robinson, man? And I'll just throw this one out there. Matt, I, I can't help but look at Arthur Smith. and And I look at Arthur Smith and the way he coaches this team. And I swear to God, bro, he he coaches this team like he hates them, like he legitimately hates his team, and that's how he coaches. It's like, oh, if, if anyone is getting any kind of pub, it's like, no, 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 no. Arthur Smith's like, yeah, no, 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 hold on. The focus needs to be on me and my offense, so all these other guys that you like we're not going to feature them. And I'm going to show you that we're going to be able to to put points on the board, get yards up and win games playing it my way. We're going to make it all about me. And, and for me, I'm just like, yo, this story is just getting really old at this point. You know, it's like, how many times can we make excuses for Kyle Pitts, Drake, and now finally B. John Robinson? Just a, a bizarre situation. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, do you want to take what 
they said at face value, no. right? Like, no, God, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> God, no. It doesn't, Matt, it doesn't make sense, dog. Like, hold no, on. It doesn't it, make sense. It makes no sense at all. Okay, first of all, either the NFL really needs to come down and just hammer these guys for falsifying injury reports, right? Or, um, you know, the, the Bijan story is like, I had a headache uh, Saturday night. I couldn't recover. And the, and the Falcons were like, all right, that's fine. Uh, we'll give you a lesser workload. But what I don't understand is if that was truly the case, why did this man play 10 snaps at all? And then also, why did he randomly get a carry late in the ball game? Like that, yeah. this is the stuff that just doesn't, it doesn't add up, man. It doesn't add up. Now, I don't think there is any sort of grand conspiracy here between like the NFL and sports books. You know, there's a lot of like um, conspiracy out there about that, right? <laughs> okay. uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not touching that one. Golly, that sounds a little crazy. Yeah, I mean, people, I'm generally pro betting. I am pro pro betting. Uh, but people also, it reveals the absolute worst side of people <laughs> where, yes, totally. because people for the most part just can't handle oh losing. God. Uh, it's not even like, I don't even think it has anything to do with like, Oh, gambling addiction. And I'm probably shouldn't be talking about this, but whatever here I'm talking about it. Uh, I mean, like people can't handle like, Oh, they're addicted to gambling. They just can't handle losing because they're big giant babies. Like nothing is worse <laughs> than like. Oh, uh, this player, this player got hurt. I demand a <laughs> refund for, I'm sure there are people barking up, you know, every sports books. Like think, yeah. I, I should be, should be refunded for B. John Robinson because we didn't knew that it's called gambling. Okay. It yeah, is a yeah, risk. Right, you right. goofball. That is the point of it. So no grand conspiracy there. That's a lot, load of nonsense. Um, I mean, it's just, that's so stupid. I don't even know why I'm even talking about it, but from the, the Falcons perspective, it yeah. is just bizarre. It's not really as if, uh, Arthur Smith has necessarily earned a lot of like benefit of the doubt. You know what else is crazy about the Arthur Smith thing too? You, you say coaches like he hates his team. He's clearly yeah. frustrated with his team. He's clearly frustrated with his quarterback and, and all kinds of stuff. Dude, Arthur Smith is the son of like, you know, FedEx billionaire, like right. um, Fred Smith. He should, what's he even do? Why is he even doing this, man? I mean, I'm sure he loves ball and like, <laughs> this is all great, but he could be like, you know, chilling beach somewhere every day of his life for the rest of his life. What's what's what is to be gained by coaching the Atlanta Falcons at this point? I mean, admirable for him to want to try to carve out some kind of like, you know, legacy of his own. But I mean, I, again, maybe this goes back to his coaching style. But again, it's like he coaches like he doesn't care because, quite frankly, why would he care? He's the son of a billionaire, for God's sakes. You know, it's like he's the son of the guy. Isn't he? Isn't he the guy, the, the guy that started FedEx or whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the son of the guy who founded FedEx. Yes. So oh um, FedEx ever heard of it. They're doing pretty well for themselves. <laughs> they're, they're doing all right. Okay. But yeah, man, like that's, I mean, again, like, like he coaches, like he doesn't care, um, which is, I guess, dude, I mean, maybe that explains part of it, but you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, I, I just don't understand why he coaches like he hates his team. You know, like it seems like he hates Kyle Pitts. It seems like he hates Drake London. It seems like he hates Bijan Robinson now because Bijan Robinson is like the lone bright spot uh, of this, you know, Arthur Smith led Falcons offense where you're like, oh man, this guy's so exciting. It's so great that he's getting all this work. This is cool. This is great. And even then it's like, they won't give him a featured role, right? Like they're going to work right. in Tyler Algier and, and, and that's fine. But man, it's just, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm over it now. You know, I'm just like, yeah. I don't, I don't I'm, get it. I'm, 
I'm kind of over it too, even though I, um, I do think that people are way too like triggered by anything Arthur Smith related. Like he is instantly the, you know, biggest villain of the fantasy football community. I think you guys probably need to relax a little bit with some of this stuff. And I say that I also say that like, I do really appreciate Arthur Smith's offense, the way it's designed and stuff like mm-hmm. that. I think if they had a really good quarterback, I mean, shoot, I think if they had a Kirk Cousins quarterback, this oh, would yeah. be like a top five offense in the NFL. Desmond Ritter is certainly not at that level. I say all that, but like he still is like super cantankerous and that's being nice is to call him cantankerous <laughs> with the media and like all of this stuff. The fact we're even having this conversation is a little ridiculous. I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to just believe like, yeah, Bijan really had a headache and that's it. But not exactly <laughs> like a, not exactly the benefit of the doubt, doubt situation. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, and again, it's just one of these situations where it's like, you know, I, I just, I, it, it just, it rankles me when a coach just, just consistently continues to make it about them, you know? And it's like the way he treats the media, the way he treats his players, the, the nonsensical things he says about, you know, usage and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, all right, bro. Like we get it. Okay. You want it to be about you. That's cool. And and you want to fight. Like, it's like, that's the thing. It's like, he wants to fight people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The whole, the whole, um, I mean, after week one, when Drake London had, you know, one target and zero catches and he's like, Oh, Drake London doesn't care. I'm like, well, yes, he does, buddy, because, <laughs> yeah, you know, he yes, he absolutely <laughs> that's, a, that's just a stupid <laughs> thing to say, because even if you have bred a very unselfish, um, right. culture and a very like bonded team. And, and mm-hmm. maybe they have, like, I think the 49ers have built that up, right? Like where these guys truly don't care about, um, well, cause they all get theirs generally. Uh, right. but like, they're not like, all right, I need this or I need that. Right. They, they've built up that kind of culture. Um, so that's great. Like maybe the, the Falcons have that version, although they're just not as good of a team then. Um, you know, what's not going to happen is like if Drake London was to ca- have a bunch of, which he hasn't. So this is not really applicable, but he has not, if he's having a bunch of zero catch games, he's not producing at all to like the talent that he clearly has. Right. And he goes in to negotiate his next contract. They're not right. going to be like, well, you've exactly. helped us to this record or whatever. <laughs> uh, you've helped us to win the, the, crappy <laughs> nfc south drake so let's go ahead and give you 30 million a year that's nope. not what's going to happen right exactly that's exactly right and it's such a middling team this atlanta falcons uh team as well you know it's like you talk about all that culture stuff that it, it's so much easier when you're winning a bunch of ball games man totally you know yeah. uh that's when that's when all of a sudden culture is like this like thing you know but when you're when you're a middling team you know not making the playoffs every year and just not very good at, at, at different points in the season. It's like, all right, I mean, how, how much more can we really talk about culture at this point? You know? Right. And that's another thing too, is that like, this is the team. If they're really truly, um, if Arthur Smith really is like truly frustrated and hates this team, like this is his team, man. Like, right. Aren't they, that's all what I mean. The, aren't they all on the same page about Desmond Ritter? Like, didn't they choose this life? Didn't they choose to draft these offensive skill position players this high in the draft? Um, yeah, they're a very frustrating team because I just think we'll be constantly kind of slamming our heads into the wall with like 
yeah, but this, yeah, but that. And like, they're just always going to be just good enough to be super frustrating. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's, it's one of those things too, where it's like, you know, you saw Kyle Pitts make like a couple of really nice plays and you're like, golly, I mean, let's use our common sense brain here. We got to get this guy, the ball a little bit more, you know, it just is like, it's just so obvious uh, to anybody who watches football on the reg that like, you know, uh, Arthur Smith is not fully utilizing uh, his playmakers uh, to to the degree that they should be utilized. I, I think that's a, a fair assessment of what is happening there in Atlanta. Um, all right, let's talk about the Bears here. Ty- Tyson Bajit, man, uh, this guy came out, and I know he did not put up a big number on, on the stat sheet, um, but the Bears offense looked, I, I don't know, it looked functional. Uh, and, and I know Fields has got this much higher ceiling and all that kind of stuff, but Bajan kept him on track, and and honestly, I was kind of sort of low-key impressed by his performance on Sunday. I'm so glad you brought up Tyson Bajan because I have a bone to pick with you, James Coe. Oh, my God. What is it? About um, Tyson like in tangentially related to Tyson Bajan. One, have you seen uh, the the video of him in the post-game locker room? No. He gets the game ball from Matt Eberflus? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I saw that part. Yeah. Yeah. It was with his shirt off, you know, the whole thing. Uh huh. The, the chest tattoo. Uh, so you, you know what he you know what he looks like, right? Yes, I do indeed. Okay. Do you know where he's from? Uh, is he from Michigan? Because I saw no. him wrapping some Eminem or something. I have no idea. Where is he from? Oh wait, no. Is he from West Virginia, though? He's from West Virginia, yes! bro. Perfect. Born in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Went to oh, high school perfect. in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Oh, when, yes. And I'm not – look, no shade on Tyson Bajan, who's you know just won his first NFL start and has made the <clears> NFL as an undrafted free agent out of friggin' Shepherd College, yeah. all right? Uh, so I say this with all due respect. <laughs> when I think – when when you back in the day at the NFL was calling me West Virginia's finest on national television – um and 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 <laughs> no one else understood why I thought this was a little uh oh troubling. Yes. I mean uh, like tr- triggering. It's triggering and you yes. no one else could quite understand why <laughs> and like all my family and friends back home were like what is this guy James Coe doing calling you oh from West Virginia? Um all I'm thinking is this dudes that look exactly, exactly like Tyson Bates. Like Tyson- <laughs> And I don't look like that. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, this chest is so tattoo. Great. Oh the, yeah. The, oh, yeah. The, the I mean, and and listen again. I I start the segment by saying I'm very impressed with Tyson, but bro, that that's that's not a good collection of tattoos. Let's let's just be a hundred percent real about what's going on here. It looks like some scribbling uh, on the body there. Uh, okay, not not a great collection. Of tattoos from Tyson Bajan. <laughs> but wow, what a callback. What a callback. You back. could tell me that Tyson Bajan is the starting NFL quarterback for the Chicago Bears, or you could tell me he is like a line cook at Waffle House with a cigarette <laughs> hanging out of his mouth while he's flipping your eggs, and I'd believe either one, man. So, um, yeah, that is just – we had to close the loop on that. I'm glad oh you brought God. it up, and I didn't have to bring it up myself. Unbelievable. Okay, so, great. That being said. <laughs> That's a shout out for it. our long okay. for our long time uh listeners. Yes. That that's a shout out for them. Oh so Tyson Bajan, though, yeah, I mean, look, he didn't ask him to do much. His average depth of target is fewer than three yards in this game. Unreal. Um, it does make me a little I don't know. I, I just think there's a very oil and water effect with like what the Bears want to be on offense and what okay. Justin Fields is on offense. You know, I think that push and pull has obviously leaked out into the media as well, where 
you know, Justin voiced some frustration um, saying that there were, you know, and, and I don't think it was like he's calling out the coaches or any of that crap. Right. I think that mm-hmm. was an overblown storyline, but I think anybody watching Justin Fields operate the bears offense has been pretty like, this doesn't really make sense for the player that Justin Fields is. He's said he feels at his best when he's just able to play football. Um, it's one of those situations. And by the way, uh, I don't think the Bears offense is like perfectly designed, right? They're obsessed with these no. like, really bad screenplays. They're having guys run the same corner route. I mean, a lot of ridiculous stuff going on in the Bears, the Bears offense. At the same time, I don't think Justin Fields is a perfectly established quarterback either. So it could be one of these situations where like nobody's right. Like I'm yeah. not sitting here saying that like, oh, well, the way Justin wants to play quarterback and should play quarterback is the right way to do it. And the bears are right to do this on offense. I'm not saying any of that stuff, but I do feel like seeing Bajent in this offense and the way they wanted him to operate the offense was pretty different than what they would normally have with fields. Um, and he just like got the ball out quick. He operated on time and that's just really never going to be fields game. I don't think Bajent is like a future starting quarterback in the NFL, but at least he's not, you know, the line cook at Waffle House. I think he's got himself a yeah. nice little, nice little NFL <laughs> career here, Budden. Um, but I think seeing him did sort of just reestablish the point to me that there is a disconnect between yeah. what the Bears want from their quarterback and who they currently have at quarterback. And I think the the points that you're bringing up, that's exactly why I really want to talk about this Bears offense and and really where DJ Moore and and, uh, and to a much lesser degree like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet obviously with Bajan doesn't even exist. Um, but it, it's it's very interesting because it's so different. Um, and, and again, the, the, that marriage between what Fields does well and what the coaching staff wants to get done there certainly seems to be a, a huge disconnect there. Uh, again, you mentioned Bajan's A dot, 4.3 A dot on the season. It's the lowest in the NFL by a wide margin. Uh, Daniel Jones is the second lowest <clears throat> quarterback, uh, qualified quarterback at 6.3 air yards per attempt. Right. So I, that, that is such a, a wide gulf. It's unbelievable. League average is around eight, and that's where Justin Fields is at. So. And just in terms of how they want to get the ball out so quickly, I I thought that's what Bajan did well, right? 72% completion rate. That sounds about right, considering, again, the 4.3 A dot, right? But it's just that he wants to get the ball out quick, gets it out to his playmakers, and and ask them to kind of sort of matriculate down the field. That's really what the Bears offense feels like it wants to be, this kind of sort of slow, grinded-out offense, and that's not what Fields does. No, um... Fields, honestly, would be great in Atlanta with what they want to do on offense. Mm. I actually think he would be um, sort of an upgrade on on like what Marcus Mariota was for them last year, obviously, as a, a dual threat quarterback. Um, I, you know, I just I think Fields probably is never going to end up being like a plus starter in the NFL. Um, but I think if he is, it's just not going to come in this Bears environment. Like, I think that probably seems like obvious analysis at this point, but I think these, and, and this is import, an important point here. This is what happens to bad organizations is they're never on the same track, right? Where you bring in uh, Mitch, Mitch Trubisky gets drafted by John Fox and uh, that coaching staff. John Fox gets fired. Matt Nagy inherits Mitch Trubisky. They're right. trying to make it work together. It's obviously not going to work. The whole thing stinks. They eventually blow it up. Uh, that coaching staff, that GM, 
Well, they bring in another guy. Um, right. Well, right before they do that, though, they draft Justin Fields. They trade up. They let their they let Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace trade up for Justin Fields. One year right. into it, they're all fired. They're all out the door. And now Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus and Luke Getzey and all these guys come in here. But Justin Fields is not really their guy, but he's only one year in the league. They got to try to make it work, but they still have their ideas how how things go. And now we're just like repeating the same cycle over and over again <laughs> for the Bears, you know. And there's a there then there's always a like point. a there's always a Tyson Bajan char- character mixed in here somewhere. Where all right, well this backup like showed you pretty he could manage the game, you know. What a, yeah. what about that guy, <clears throat> right? And I mean that's you know usually. No disrespect again to Bears legend Tyson Bajan, but he probably isn't the answer at the quarterback position. So it's just like on and on and on and on the cycle goes. Oh, man. Uh, Obviously, Chicago came out and said that despite the win, uh, this is always what happens when a backup quarterback wins a game um, and the team's all fired up about it, right? Like the team immediately has to to issue a statement saying, well, hold on now. When, When the starter comes back, he's still the starter now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they, right. They always got to do that. Um, and that's what the Chicago Bears said is that uh, when Justin Fields is ready to go, by the way, he's most likely not going to play uh, here in week number eight, listed as doubtful um, with his injury, and Bajan should get another start. So, yeah, it's it, watch Bajan go out there and win another ball game, man. Oh, and Sunday Night Football against the Chargers. Hey, it, you know, the, the Chargers are perfectly capable of effing that. <laughs> up 100 percent, man i mean good point good point if anybody's gonna if anybody's gonna screw it up brandon staley's chargers will screw it up no problem about that justin herbert not playing good ball right now no Um, that finger's got to be bothering uh herbert man it just he doesn't look like the same guy whether it is or isn't the chargers are one of these teams that they're built in the image of their quarterback they're built around their quarterback but it's just like if if their quarterback isn't perfect, the whole thing falls apart, and yeah. that is so the case with the LA Chargers right now. And Dude, you know, whether it's injury, if 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 they go out and lose Sunday Night Football primetime Island game to Chicago, and let's be honest, Chicago's not a good team. Does do you think the coaching staff survives that game if they go out and lose that game? Does Brandon Staley survive? In an island game, like if it's like a 10 a.m. you know Pacific game, it's like ah, you know, people didn't even you know, it's just another another blip on the radar. But uh, he goes out and they, they, this a uh, talented you know Justin Herbert led Chargers team goes out and loses to the to t- Tyson Bajant and the Bears. Oh man, I don't know. Yeah, the Bage dog throws up uh, you know three touchdowns on Brandon Staley's vaunted defense, <laughs> defensive guru, Brandon Staley. Right. Um, man, I, I don't know. I The only justification or – well, there is no justification. I, the Brandon Staley era in L.A. is over, okay? It's done. Right, it's yeah, 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 yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. over. But right. just like when the end uh, comes is now the question. Is it going to be midseason? Is it going to be the end of the season? The Spanoses are uh, notoriously cheap. Uh, yep. And, you know, yep. so that's really the only the only question here. The only thing we're comparing or, or we're, uh, we're we're thinking about here is how cheap uh, can Dean Spanos <laughs> and the boys really be? Uh, and does right. that matter more than like the product that they're putting out on the field right now? Because the product that they're putting out on the field this year has been mega disappointing. Um, oh goodness, and the yeah. team they built is mega disappointing. And I think there's going to be a lot of questions that need to be answered about the Chargers at the end of the year. 
All right, we'll stay in the NFC North here. Uh, get a temperature check here on Green Bay. Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, where are we on these guys right now? Because I tell you what, after two weeks in the season, my mentions were absolutely a, a, a minefield. People tell me I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, interesting. Seven weeks in now. my, my I, I don't really seem to be getting a lot of Green Bay mentions, so it's interesting. Um, how, how the tides have shifted and changed, my friend. Uh, but Matt Harmon, I want to get your take here. Temperature check on Green Bay and Jordan Love. I think that Jordan Love and the Packers perfectly sum up what I think is one of the stories of the season so far this year. Interesting. Uh, and what is that? Andy Barons and I just had this conversation on, on the Yahoo podcast, so it's kind of okay. fresh in mind. And I'll, I'll spin this in a bit of a different way than I did there. But I, the whole point is that I think quarterback play league-wide is way down. Mm, um, you know, okay. And if you think about it, obviously, I think with Rodgers not playing this year, even though he is on a roster, it's like officially the old guard is gone. You know, Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger is gone. Tom Brady's gone. Aaron Rodgers is not playing this year. Um, even guys that, like Matt Ryan or Philip, you know, Philip Rivers right. or whatever, guys that were, you know, making a lot of checks at the line and, and, and really quarterbacking it up, you know? Yep, Rivers, Ryan, that all that old guard is gone and I think we had guys from, you know, kind of that like 2018 to, you know, 2020 class really step up. Lamar Jackson, uh mm-hmm. Josh Allen, yep, Justin Herbert who we just talked about, Joe Burrow who we talk who uh, is obviously one of, you know, he, we know who Joe Burrow is good player, you know, uh Tua is established himself, I think, as a quality starting quarterback. Um, you know, and, and even obviously Mahomes in 2017, the year before that, like there's been um, plenty of guys have kind of taken the next mantle there to be that next group of quarterbacks. Maybe, right. But you can put Jalen Hurts in this bucket as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. A lot of those guys I just rattled off there Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Jalen Hurts, they're not having their best seasons right now, or they've had like some stretches of pretty poor games. And right. I think when those guys aren't performing at the height of their powers, the ne- the lack of the next group, there's no has, middle class. There's no middle class. And it is because right. no one has stepped up in drafts after basically after 2020. I mean, the best players, what like Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence was billed to be a generational quarterback prospect. And I think Tr- Trevor Lawrence is a good top 10 probably quarterback Mm -hmm. but i mean i would argue that even he is not necessarily taking the next step as like a guy like a face of the league type of like i take games over by myself type of guy right then you just think it like obviously zach wilson busted out justin fields probably busted out trey trey lance busted out you know oh my Um, god yeah the 2022 class yeah mac jones busted out most likely, although they just beat the Bills, right? But I still think, by and large, bust it out. And then we know the 22 class was a disaster for quarterbacks, right? Kenny Pickett was the only guy taken in the first round, and he's not looking so great so far. And then you've got a lot of these teams running out like project players. You know, you've got mm-hmm. your Sam Howells not working out. You've got mm-hmm. your Desmond Ritters not working out. Um, so it's really up to like – CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, who's not going to play the rest of this year. So he'll be a question mark. Bryce Young, I think, is a question mark at this point. Oh boy. There's just a real lack of like NFL middle class quarterbacks. And Jordan Love isn't like a perfect example of this because we're just now finally seeing him play in 2020. So I'm kind of more so grouping him in with 
that group that we just mentioned, as opposed to the guys like Herbert and uh, yeah. you know, the other guys that were taken in 2020, but him not stepping up, I think has is, is akin to like a league wide problem at this point. It's interesting. Um, <clears throat> I take a look at what he generally gets done um, from a visual standpoint. And from a number standpoint, he leads the NFL right now in first read percentage, 77 point. Uh, I, well, uh, among starting quarterbacks, Brian Hoyer's in there too, but whatever. Uh, Jordan Love leads the NFL right now in first read percentage, right? So 77.1% of his throws are on that first read. That to me <clears throat> does not indicate progression uh, of reads Right. And I think that is just from a statistical standpoint, also translates to a visual standpoint as well. Is he coming off of his first read? Generally not, you know, Uh, generally not. And and maybe there's a separation issue. But I think what we've seen from high quality quarterbacks is that they're going to come off that first read if it's not there. Right. And I don't think Jordan, uh, I don't, I definitely don't think Jordan Love um, has really done that. And, and right now, too, I think what's really interesting, he also uh, is near the top of the league in terms of dot. So not mm-hmm. only is he going to his first read a lot, he's got a 9.4 dot right now. Um, it is, you know, third highest in the NFL. So a lot of his first reads are just bombs, right? <laughs> so it's not a good combination of what we got. And this, again goes back to what I was talking about in regards to this Matt LaFleur offense. Um, so much of what we saw charted from Aaron Rodgers, Derek Classen charted from Aaron Rodgers was touchdown or check down is what he said. A beautiful line. I love that line. Um, and you know what's funny? We've got a brand new quarterback. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. A lot of it is touchdown or check down. A, a lot of it is just either we're going to throw that screen, we're going to throw short underneath little, little dump off passes, or we're going in big over the top. It's just... Look, man, I mean, at some point now we're we're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback and we're talking about a guy who's barely played and they're doing pretty much the exact same thing. So I'm just saying some of this has to fall on LaFleur, the offense, the play calling and all those kind of things. So uh, I'm not really that gassed up on Green Bay. Um, as we know, I came in pretty low on Green Bay. I think, you know, overall, I, I would say more low than most experts, I would say. Uh, in regards to Green Bay's offense coming in. I, I just want to pick your brain, Matt, in terms of what do these guys got to do to turn this thing around, man? They got to grow up. This is such a young offense, right? Like, it's really crazy when you think about it. They're dropping Jordan Love into this offense where Christian Watson's second-year receiver, Romeo Dobbs, second-year receiver, Luke Musgrave, rookie tight end, Jaden Reed, good point. rookie receiver, Dontavian right. Wicks, rookie receiver. Who is this he's guy? Played yeah. a, he's played a ton for them. Um, <laughs> right. Aaron Jones is like their only veteran player that's had a ton of experience who's an above-average starter, and he's been on and off the field. And it's like right. it's weird that it feels as if Matt LaFleur and this offense recognizes and understands and even communicates that like Aaron Jones is so critical to what they do as a team. And Mm -hmm. they like barely brought him back this year, made him take a pay cut. And it's like, I know maybe if you're this and I get, I'm sure there's like the coaching staff feels one way and the front office feels another way. I think that's actually probably been an issue in green Bay before. Um, Like I think 
Matt LaFleur probably wasn't always jazzed up about like the way they approached Aaron Rodgers from a front office perspective. And like, maybe would have, I don't think he has as much full pull in the personnel standpoint as we might think that's, that's kind of been the Packer way. Yeah. The front office is the front office. So I say all that to say, like, maybe there's not a clear communication between like, no, Brian Gutekunst, like we, Aaron Jones is so critical to us, but at the same time, like maybe a guy in Aaron Jones's phase of his career probably shouldn't be this important to your offense at the same such time a good too, point. because yeah. he's an such aging running back and he's dealing with nagging injuries right now that are clearly hampering him. I mean, this guy like hasn't played uh, a full game. What since week one, really? I mean, and, and yep. it's a long time ago, man. And you know, they've had a bye week. They played on Thursday night into Monday night. That's a long right. way off there. And then into their, it's like, it's a really messy situation from that, that part of it, but he's their only veteran player. Like they're just so young on that side of the ball. And, you know, I think by the end, like they have to, by the end of the year, just like know what they have in Jordan love and then understand like, Hey, if we're, if he's going to be this bad the rest of the year, like we're probably picking in the top 10 and we can just start the cycle over again with another quarterback. And like, you know, it is what it is, whatever. But I will say from Jordan Love's perspective, like who is his dude on this offense right now? Because uh, he wants it to be Romeo Dubs, I think. And I think you've really highlighted the fact that he's just, you know, Dubs is not that guy. Dubs is fine. Romeo Dubs is fine, but he is like an acceptable number three, maybe like passable number two in Mm -hmm. a pinch in the NFL. Right. And he's still a second year guy. He's still a super young player who you drafted on the third day of the NFL draft last year. And then like Christian Watson, it's just like, we haven't seen anything from Christian Watson and he's another guy who can't consistently stay on the field, but like, we haven't seen anything from Christian Watson to think like, this is a guy that, all right, Jordan Love knows like, I'm in a pinch. I'm in a tough spot. It's third down and I'm, I'm under pressure. Like I'm just yeah. getting the ball to Christian Watson. He's right. not that guy. Christian Watson's production last year, like his yards per outrun and, and like stuff like that was inflated because he played with the hall of fame quarterback who was a declining player, not playing his best football, but like Rogers still in Rogers, head is like, I'm Aaron Rodgers, All right. Like, right. I can, yeah, 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 I yeah. can needle this thing to Christian Watson down the field. And for the most part, he, he was paid off in that, but he's not one of these guys, Christian Watson, like a, um, I mean, shoot any of these like second year receivers that we were all very excited about last year. He just doesn't have that type of ability as a consistent route runner. He's a big play threat, but the offense is not really in a position where they can just like, all right, we're so good from a consistency standpoint that we can shoot for big plays. Because if you look at the gap between like Jordan loves, maybe not so much right now, but even when he was producing well in the start of the season, his like EPA per play was really high, but his success rate was really low, which shows that like, the flashes of big playability are there, which is why your mentions were getting lit up. But right. the consistency and the sustainability of the offense, especially in the first half of games, it's not been there. And like, you can't be all that surprised with how young this team is. Yeah, I think the other thing about Jordan Love, too, uh, is that especially early on, so much of what he was doing. Look, man, there were so many turnover worthy throws that mm-hmm. he threw that somehow, some way, call it the Green Bay way. I don't know what it was. I mean, interceptions are turning into touchdowns. I mean, we saw that this week as well. He threw two balls that, my God, I mean, one could have been picked, one should have been picked, 
and, and really, if you listen to the broadcast team, the the official on site thought it was an interception that got ruled a touchdown. But that's not the only time. I would say there's probably another, easily another four throws that I can think of off the top of my dome where you're just like, yo, that was an that should have yeah. been a pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends up not being a pick and either turns into a big play where they just get away with it. You know what I'm saying? So um, I don't know, man. Like I, I actually think that the the data is is could be a lot worse than it is um, because of some of these big plays that have, have swung in his favor um, in Jordan Love's play. And listen, can I just be clear? I actually think that Jordan Love's a good player. I actually think that Jordan Love has mm-hmm. the tools. I actually think that Love can be a high-level starter in this league. I've seen enough from a tools perspective to say that. But I just wonder, again, when I go back to first read percentage, the guy's leading the NFL, 77% first read targets. Bro, that's too high. That's too high, right? But that being said, again, he's also getting acclimated. I know he's been you know, doing some practice and all those things. It's, you know, I don't know how many years he's been in the league now, but this is really his first real you know, season as a starter. So I I think there's room for growth. I'm not actually casting off Jordan Love as a bust, not doing that. I actually think he's got the tools. Um, But again, he needs to be coached up, needs to be coached up. I think the injuries have certainly taken a huge toll on Green Bay, um, but they haven't done a good job of masking some of those injuries as well. So, man, um, I don't know where Green Bay goes from here. Maybe they just grow as a team. Um, and that's the way they get out of this hole. Maybe, maybe we'll see. All right, let's I, move I'm on. really curious if at the end of the year, it looks, I think, if it, well, I think if it looks this bad, then they will move on from Jordan love. But yeah, if there's some slight improvement, I'm just really curious how they approach it. Like in the off season, because uh, especially in, in this draft, right? Because yeah. it's a deep quarterback draft, right? So yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, and by the way, how did Jordan Love even end up here, right? It, Green Bay's very proactive in terms of taking a quarterback, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they spent a first rounder on Jordan Love knowing that he was going to sit for a couple years behind Aaron Rodgers. That's pretty wild uh, in today's NFL. So no, Green Bay, I think you're right. Green Bay is going to be very aggressive in terms of that quarterback market because that's just what they do. That's just what they do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, Cooper Cup had two receptions for 29 yards on seven targets here in week number seven. Matt Harmon, this was the lowest yardage output in a fully healthy game for Cooper Cup in three full years. So I ask you this, is it a one game blip or a two, two questions, actually part of this, does he look like the same guy coming back off of injury and B, uh, and probably this is more relevant. Is there enough meat on this, uh, Rams bone to support both Puka and Cooper cup? Yeah. Well, look, I think it, Overall, this game is a blip. You know, you're not going to see this type of production, 29 yards uh, from Cooper Cup very often. You know, he had two drops in this game very early on. That is so unlike Cooper Cup, who I would put put up in terms of like the best hands in the league. Uh, I'd put him up against almost anybody. You know, he's that's fluky, that stuff. I would also say, like, did Tutu Atwell intercept? Yes. touchdown that was going yeah, to absolutely Cooper Cup, did. right? <laughs> <laughs> 0% chance that ball was going to 2-2 out. Well, 0% chance, man. Oh, I love that. So I think generally the idea or the answer here is yes, probably a fluke. Yeah, I don't okay. think this is a, the, a something you should be like concerned about. Every receiver has yep. these games, okay? I know Cooper Cup hasn't had them off in the last few years, but right. basically every receiver has these types of games in their range of outcomes where where they can have 29 yards if they have a couple of yeah. drops and all that. I think Cooper Cup has looked fine. Okay. I think he's 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 come back I think pretty well. Um maybe not fully, you know, height of his powers Cooper Cup, yeah. but um I think he's looked fine overall. I I'm, I'm not too concerned about the way he's playing. But you to your point about what maybe is the most interesting question here is is there enough meat on the bone? And I think when the offense is firing at all cylinders and Cooper Cup isn't dropping passes, yeah, I think these two guys together, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, will absolutely eat for the most part. I mean, if you just look at the three games that Cooper Cup has been back for the LA Rams, it's a 30% target share for Cooper Cup and a 33.3% target share for Puka Nakua. Um, 10% is the next highest player with Tyler Higby. Like that is some rare stuff in terms of target funneling. So when Cooper cup has games, he doesn't drop two passes and two, two Atwell doesn't intercept a target going to him in the end zone (laughs) by and large Cooper cup will be fine. But this is a different situation. Okay. Because the last couple of years, the Rams have not had a second pitch like they have with Puka Nakua right now. Right. Just straight up. You know, the Allen Robinson signing obviously didn't work out for the Rams last year. He was not what they needed um, in that offense last year. So that was one thing. Uh, the we- the year before that, right, like they kind of had a similar thing going with Odell Beckham when he broke out as like their X receiver in the playoff run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um but still not to this degree. Obviously, Robert Woods didn't quite like, – I think he was in decline at that point already, so he wasn't yeah. this type of player. Like, what Puka Nakua is doing right now is crazy, okay? Um, like, the stats – I know the stats are one thing, but, like, reception perception and, and like, the eye test and when I watch Puka – I'm mm-hmm. like I'm the stats are not a fluke. This is this is not like oh he's just producing crazy numbers still. This is all earned. He's doing this stuff 
and and it's it's pretty wild for for obviously a day three draft pick, but yeah. I still think we haven't really wrapped our minds about, around it, right? Like, um, it's a perfect example of this. Uh, I think on Sunday or maybe it was I think it was Sunday night, something popped up in the Discord about like should I trade um you know Jalen Waddle and a first for for you know or maybe it was Jalen Waddle a couple seconds. Anyways, big like an established guy like Jalen Waddle should I trade them for? you know, Puka Nakua and all that stuff. And it, it big debate bro- broke out. Um, and then Major Corker, shout out to him, who's really active in our Discord. Uh, one of our prime members, super active in the Discord. Um, he posted a couple of tweets in there, one of which uh-huh. was just two players in NFL history have at least 700 receiving yards through their first seven games of their career. It's Puka Nakua and it's Jamar Chase. That was from Underdog uh, Fantasy. Another one from J.J. Zacharyson. Puka Nakua saw 44% target share in Week 7. He's fallen below a 32% target share in just two games this season. He's been below a 21.9% target share zero times so far this year. And Major Corker's point was, if JSN was the player doing this, not Puka Uh Nakua, Uh the question would be like, is Jalen Waddle in a first enough to acquire that player? And I would say (laughs) that if it was JSN Uh doing what Puka Nakua is doing right now and not Puka Nakua, a fifth round pick, he would be like already the dynasty wide receiver one. He would be like an ungettable asset from a trade standpoint. Like you would have to send three first round picks. You'd have to send like your firstborn, maybe like an extra $200 <laughs> under the table. That's what it would cost to okay. trade for a player like this. But I don't think, and shoot, you could even argue in my most recent dynasty up rankings update that I'm guilty of this too. Yeah. But I still feel like we haven't fully wrapped our mind around what Puka's doing right now. I think that's reflected in what happened with Cooper Cup this weekend. I think it is just reflected in the way we talk about the Rams and the way we're probably still talking about Puka. And my point on this, James, is just that like the stats are one thing, but let me tell you what, when Puka's stuff, and he's on the website right now, like there's a sample up for him, but when he's up there in the midseason rookie report, I promise you, the reception perception results back up what Puka is producing in the stats column. He has mm. been legit that good this year. Mm, man, uh, interesting stuff for sure. Uh, by the way, we talk about meat on the bone. This is what's interesting. Um, Cooper Cup comes back and all of a sudden the Rams, they don't throw the ball as much. First five weeks of the season, they threw the ball 40 times a game. The last two weeks, they've thrown the ball 26 times per game. The efficiency also, again, this is what is very interesting to me. The efficiency has also gone down. First five weeks of the season, 61% completion rate for Matt Stafford. Last two weeks, 57% completion rate for Matt Stafford. So not only is he less efficient, he's also just throwing the ball a lot less uh, than he did versus the first five weeks of the season. By the way, especially in this game against Pittsburgh, I was surprised And I know Pittsburgh's been giving up some production on the ground, and I'm sure the Rams had that scouted out very well. But Kyron Williams goes on IR. Backup running back Ronnie Rivers goes on IR. They've got Daryl Henderson literally off the couch, off of an XFL team (laughs) signing, coming in to be their starter. And yet they, even then, and even in a game they lost, threw the ball 29 times. I I was surprised by that. Um, and again, also surprised by the efficiency metrics, um, as well. So I don't know. I think brighter days are ahead. I don't think anyone's too, too worried about Cooper cup, but 
when you output the lowest yardage you have in three years, it certainly is at least worth the question. And so totally. thus we bring it up. Uh, Honestly, Kendrick- it's a theme. That's another theme of the season two here, James. Last point on this is just like yeah. when an offense isn't firing on all cylinders and there are two receivers that are demanding like or, or worth a high target share, like mm-hmm. someone loses out. And that's something like I want to kind of inv- – I've already talked about this on this podcast, but even more so, like I want to put a microscope and like let's investigate the the term one B receiver because mm-hmm. there's usually a one and a two, whether we want to admit it or not. There's a one yeah, and a two for uh, sure, and that this this season has taught us that. Thinking specifically like AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, right? Jamar Chase, T Higgins. Again, we've talked about it with Matt Waldman on the podcast last week. Maybe for the Rams, there might be a different player. In the one spot, oh, the two spot, but oh my god, yeah, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> oh my god, what are you hinting at? You cannot be hinting that Puka's the one and Cooper Cup's the two. Oh my goodness, I'm only tacitly. I'm like saying it with just like putting one foot over the line. Okay, when I say okay. That. Not, not, not both feet. I'm not jumping all the way in, but I'm just okay. like I'm. I'm like uh, I'm. He's I'm not testing. ten toes. I'm. He's foc- not ten I'm toes. Focus but he's got five toes. Take. I'm focus yeah. grouping the take. I'm not uh, okay. publishing the take yet. Okay, I like it, man. I like it. Uh, all right, we're we're running a little short on time here, but that's okay. Let's talk about Kendrick Bourne uh, there in New England. Last two weeks, man, this guy has been an absolute revelation. Uh, truly a bright spot in what has been a, a relatively dire offense there uh, for the Patriots. But he's played the in the slot the last two weeks, Matt Harmon. He slid inside. And boy, I tell you, this is all of a sudden, it, it seems like a great spot for him. Juju's been out with a concussion. Kendrick Bourne has slid inside, played primarily as a slot receiver there for New England. And over the last two weeks, this guy has been an absolute target sponge, man. 18 targets over his last two games, 16 receptions as a slot man, 152 yards, a touchdown, and he's averaging a very healthy 8.4 yards per target. Kendrick Bourne has come alive the last two weeks. Kendrick Bourne, I profiled him coming out of week one. Uh, for reception perception on the website and like my kind of thought on Kendrick Bourne was this is a pretty good player um, mm-hmm. like he beats man coverage who else on the Patriots offense beats man coverage uh, literally we, no one literally nobody we know it's not Juju we know it's not Devonte Parker like I swear to God they really do need to trade for Jerry Judy uh, not because he can beat man coverage although he can uh, better than those guys but because they need to like have the all Matt Harmon thought you were overrated uh, <laughs> <laughs> team uh, at some point in their career. Oh, but Kendrick goodness. Bourne, I kind of think is a little bit of like an underrated player um, where he's just like a, I a totally solid think guy who, yeah. can, who can beat man coverage. And like, they're kind of just putting away, like putting the offense around him at this point and putting him in more of a primary focus, which it is weird that he's like come uh come in and out of favor of the coaching staff. But, you know, I don't know how much of that was like Matt Patricia nonsense last year. I'll say this, you know, from his performance, obviously last week, uh, Kendrick Bourne, the whole offense just looked much more cohesive against the bills. I got to see a lot of that game and um, it looked to me that, that they were running a lot more of like the Alabama offense, like under Mac Jones and Bill O'Brien, mm. like RPOs okay. and get the ball out quick and like set guys up with accuracy for over the middle routes, as opposed to just like 
let's do deep dropbacks and shoot the ball downfield because that was kind of what they were doing early in the season. I feel like they're getting their identity a little bit more figured out in New England. What I really want to see and what I'm curious to find out is what happens when Juju comes back because he can't play outside um, at this point in his career. And Kendrick Bourne, again, like I said, has been such a bright spot for a a relatively bleh offense that can they really just say, all right, well, Kendrick, we're going to take you out of the slot, even though you've been so productive there, even though Matt Jones has freaking loved you there, even though you've been productive and at times has carried the offense from that position. Um, and I know we're like the unofficial alignment Kings here, uh, <laughs> when we talk about, you know, football here, but it's true though. Kendrick Bourne, man, it's, I just been so impressed with him out of the slot. It'd be a real shame to see if new England, when Juju comes back, if new England's like, ah, we got to stick Juju in there. So Kendrick, you got to go play outside again. I don't know. I I'd be, I would be interested to see what that looks like given the, the two week sample that we've seen from Kendrick Bourne thus far. And, you know, even in week seven, right, like Kendrick Bourne was still playing outside, but like they're getting him good reps on the inside, you know, like they'll move him in there. Uh, And he was more slot in week six, right, again, without Juju Smith-Schuster, because last week in week seven, they had this, you know, guy, Demario Douglas out of uh, Pop Douglas, as as they're calling him, you know, in, in New England. They're calling him, uh, you know, Pop Douglas, which is because he's got a little bit of pop to him, you know, uh, out of Liberty. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this guy a little bit. Uh, Me you too. Know, five targets, too. four catches, ran 91.7% of his routes out of the slot. Like, I, I just think, like, Juju's had a, he's had a weird career. At times, he's been, like, a solid player. At times, he's been super overrated, like I said, at, at points early in his Pittsburgh run. I think he was pretty good for the Chiefs last year, but I just kind of wonder if he's just shot physically. And, you know, we're just like at that point here. I I think they should probably, you know, do the Kendrick Bourne slot stuff sometimes, get him in those reps, but like really get him working over the middle. Those are pretty good routes for him. And and get Demario Douglas more reps because like I just think these guys bring you more juice at this point. Yeah, they need something, man. They need more athleticism. And certainly I think Demario um, and Kendrick, I think, give you that uh, in terms of, you know, athleticism and explosiveness, man. So you're right. This New England offense just doesn't seem to have it. Um, But you know what? Ramondre Stevenson ran, you know, better than he's run in in recent weeks, too. And and obviously, if we know anything about the Patriots, they got to get some production from the running backs as well. That just seems to be what they do. Uh, they start from there and then they build around that. Uh, so let's just see if they can get that going, keep that going here um, and keep that momentum going after us. I mean, just an absolutely shocking win over the Buffalo Bills in week number seven. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, very quickly, man, can we do a little buy or sell segment? And uh, I'll throw some names out here, throw some stats out, and and you just tell me, uh, you know, uh, just give me a couple, a few sentences here or there, maybe a paragraph or whatever you will. Buy or sell these certain players, okay? We'll start with Cortland Sutton, who in week number seven had a fantastic game. Uh, six targets, six catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. Guy looked like an absolute big play, you know, wide receiver, which is what he was known for and has seemed to lost a little bit, but found it again here in week number seven. He's been a relatively consistent player for this Denver offense. Buy or sell Cortland Sutton? Well, I'm buying this relative to expectations heading into the year. And I mean, how many times did I say over the summer that the gap between Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton in people's minds was just like not founded in reality of how good <laughs> these guys are on the field. And I'm not even okay. saying like I'm the biggest Sutton guy in the world. I think Sutton at different points has been a bit of an overrated player, but yeah. like the pendulum swifted or shifted way towards you know Judy in the off season. Um, I think Judy's had a disappointing year. I think Quentin Sutton's had a pretty solid season. Uh, I expect Judy to probably get traded before the deadline. Um, Jeremy Fowler reported that that is kind of the expectation, although GMs around the league can't decide, is he worth a late day two pick? Is he worth a day three pick? Mm. So that shall kind of be, um, usually it's like meet in the middle there, right? So he'll probably get ended up getting traded, I would guess, for yeah a late three or an early four. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I and. Uh, Good, good luck to his next team, but I do think Cortland Sutton, like I'm buying it a little bit. I think he probably remains on the roster. And like, I get that Denver's probably sort of kind of in teardown mode here. And yeah. they've obviously sold off assets and like cut guys like Frank Clark. I but know. I do think that Sutton's been their best offensive player so far this season. And I'm not, it, that's low bar, but I do think they <laughs> probably want to keep him around. Over the last six weeks, Cortland Sutton has averaged 11.8 yards per reception. Very, very strong right there. 71% catch rate over the last six weeks as well for Cortland Sutton. That's pretty good, man. Uh, averaging 4.5 receptions and 53 yards uh, per game. All right. Well, I want to stay in that Denver wide receiver room there. Marvin Mims. My guy, Marvin Mims, has negative seven total yards over his last three games combined. Negative seven. Over his last three games combined, Matt Harmon, by yourself, Marvin Mims. Ah, man. Remember our bold prediction that he was going to lead all rookies in receiving yards this year? Oh, baby. He's going to lead them all in yards per catch, you know, because he only catches. He's caught 10 (laughs) passes for 246 (laughs) yards, which is pretty wild. Oh, Um, my goodness. I mean, I guess I'm buying just because like 
can't possibly just keep he just can't possibly not keep playing right like at some point they have to play him so um i guess i'll sort of kind of buy that 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 he'll play a little bit more but i'm not that excited we are desperate uh us marvin mimmers uh we are desperate for a jerry judy trade (laughs) so that we can see Marvin Mims on the football field. But if the if the whole Zach Evans debacle in L.A. has taught us anything, coaches will do weird stuff, so it might just end up being like Lil Jordan Humphrey or like Brandon Johnson getting more reps there in Denver, which would just be an absolute Picked shame. up Traquan okay. Smith, right? Is he still is he still on the – yeah, he's on the roster. So Yeah, yeah there you go. Smith, Lil, yeah, Traquan Smith Sean probably. Peyton Crony. Oh, so. my God. God, God kill me. Uh, anyways, all right. Calvin Ridley, one catch, five yards on four targets there in week number seven. Buy or sell Calvin Ridley? Uh, I'm still buying. I just think I'm selling like my preseason expectations on this one. Um, I already kind of went on a long rant on my Yahoo podcast about this and I'll, I'll, I'll have it clipped and post on social media so you can check it out there. Uh, but I just think we did a lot of like double, triple and quadruple counting of like Calvin Ridley (laughs) optimism at different points of the off season to like Uh really jump the shark on this one. And I'm kind of embarrassed that I was a part of it. Uh, because like, yeah, you're never that guy. You're never that guy. Yeah. I'm really never that guy. And I, dude, how many times did I even say on this podcast, like, and, and the Yahoo podcast and everywhere, like, I'm going to be really careful to not get myself swept up and like Cal- like be i'm gonna be remain cautiously optimistic about calvin yeah, ridley right and by the end of the summer i was just completely caught up in it <laughs> which is so stupid too because james i've also been the christian kirk guy like i've also i know been like, christian kirk you all are way too mean to christian kirk like he's a good player that honestly is the thing that i'm i'm like most like truly most embarrassed about the calvin ridley thing is that uh-huh. like I went to bat for Christian Kirk, like, and, and said he was underrated and like, you guys yeah. are wrong about his contract. And I was right about that. But then like, I just completely like, I was the guy, um, in the meme, right. Uh, <laughs> where, where I'm the guy looking at the girl and the other girls looking back at me. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm told I am totally that guy. And it's, I'm, I'm getting mad all over again about oh it because I was that guy with the, with, with Chris, Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley, man. And like, that's, That's honestly funny. the thing that makes me the most mad. Sometimes like it's worth taking a chance on upside, and I do think Ridley was a good upside bet. I, by the way, I think he's still going to have plenty of good games. Down, and sure, I, sure, sure. I stand by what I said on, on the podcast with Nate Tice, and, and Nate agreed with this, that Calvin Ridley's been good for the real-life Jaguars. He's just been, was way too overhyped in fantasy, and we've kind of like lost the thread on it now at this point. And I feel bad that I was that I was the the meme with with Christian Kirk because he's a darn good player and like the, him producing like this is 0% surprising. And and it's like I'm even over here. I'm I'm like, "Yo, I don't matter. Are we sure about this?" you know. I'm 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 trying to talk you yeah, off the ledge. I'm trying to talk you off the ledge with Calvin Ridley before the season started, you know? Uh and even I was like, "Man, Ridley's value is just way too high for me." Um, and I felt like I was like, the, I was like the crazy person or something, you know, Everyone you called it all in. you and you were so right about this. You called it disrespectful to the game that he could just take a year and a half off and just like come back and be like a top 12 receiver in the NFL. And so far, like, I think again, he's been really a good quality player. Yeah. He's just not been a, like a number one wide receiver or anything. I don't think even 
that's another thing I'm, I'm ready to shoot into the sun, like the term alpha receiver, but uh, I'm like, it's like, Oh, Christian Kirk is the new alpha in Jacksonville. I mean, no, he's not. He's just a really good player. Has, like <laughs> yeah, baked exactly. in chemistry with, uh, right, with, right, with right, right. Trevor Lawrence and is, is yeah. a good quality player. And like the opportunity metrics are pretty similar between Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk. And like, that shouldn't be surprising but me and many others allowed the expectations <laughs> to become way too high. And it looks surprising. Uh, that's funny. Uh, Calvin Ridley has had two games over a hundred yards, but he has had uh, five games with either 40 or less yards. So it's been truly a boomer bust situation. Two games over a hundred, five games with 40 or fewer yards. That is uh, surprising here. Uh, very up and down production here for Calvin Ridley. All right, how about George Pickens, buy or sell? Uh, I thought he had a very surprisingly good game against the LA Rams. Eight targets, five catches for 107. Uh, and I'll explain why. Deontay Johnson comes back. You think he's going to see a bunch of looks. I, I didn't think Pickens would see eight targets in this ball game. And by the way, the Rams too, they've been low key, like legit good at defending outside wide receivers. Um, I believe they were, they had the second lowest completion rate allowed to outside wide receivers. And we know Pickens himself, not all that efficient, but man, today, at least in week seven, he put together a really good game. Five catches for 107. Buy or sell George Pickens? Uh, I'm buying a. I think Pickens is one of these players that's like impossible to have a rational conversation about George Pickens, right? Okay. Like it's, it seems like you either have to believe that George Pickens is like secretly a superstar receiver and he's the next AJ green. And he is, he is an elite receiver. You all are just too stupid to know it. Matt Canada <laughs> is not, a, is, is really actually keeping him down by only having him run go routes, even though they're his best routes and his best plays all come on. It's so crazy that people lose their shit over George Pickens, like sideline balls and tight coverage plays. And then they're like, yeah, but Matt Canada needs to mix up his route tree. And I'm not defending Matt Canada. Matt Canada stinks, but yeah, like, yeah, those yeah. are his, his best plays come <laughs> on those routes, <laughs> you know? Uh, so you either right. need to believe he's like AJ green and you all are too stupid to know it. And Matt Canada is really screwing him over and Kenny Pickett's not a good quarterback and yada, yada. Uh, or you have to believe he's like freaking DJ Chark or, or whatever. Like there seems to be no, you can't, have a middle ground. You can't be a uh, Gabe Pickens, or excuse me, I said Gabe. Gabe, Gabe Davis I, Pickens. <laughs> I, slipped, I slipped my I, Freudian slipped there because, um, oh my goodness. Yeah. like I've said all it's along, such a good call, right? Why Why can't we? You can't just need to be a Gabe Davis centrist, and I think yeah. you kind of need to be a George Pickens centrist at this okay. point. Like, I think he's the next Mike Williams, and like that shouldn't be an insult. Okay, Mike Williams is a really really good receiver in the league. Uh, and he's really he's not a great separator, but he's certainly above average. And um, he is obviously really good in tight coverage situations. And I think that what I just said there describes George Pickens so right. far this season and, and what right. he probably projects to be in the NFL. So as long as that's the expectation for George Pickens, I'm I'm totally buying it like count me uh, as a centrist in the in the great George Pickens wars. Uh, that's where I'll fall on this. And as long as that's the expectations, I'm buying that. Um, I think like him ha having 32 percent of the targets and Deontay having 24 percent of the targets like we could probably see that like flip back and forth. But I think generally the offense should funnel between those two guys and it should be much better than the unit we saw to start the year because of it. Oh, George Pickens is totally that guy that uh, he's a James Coe guy. 
You know, I, yeah. I love players like this. Totally love players like this. Uh, that being said, I, you just need to see a little bit more efficiency. You know, I, I mean, come on. We're talking about a guy that what um, over his career, um, you know, he's got a 59.8% catch rate. Give me a little bit more separation. Uh, or if you're not going to get that separation, can we be a little bit better in contested catch? You know, he yeah. makes high. See, I think that's where it's a little bit funny about Pickens, right? I don't know how good he is in contested catch, Matt, because he makes highlight just like, oh my God, like mind melting plays. But then at the same time, it's like he doesn't always come down with contested catches. You know what I'm saying? Dude, going into the Ravens game and obviously he was like dominant on sideline catches uh, and like contested situations against the Ravens. A big reason why they won that game uh, was George Pickens against the Ravens prior to the Steelers bye week. But before that, Pro Football Focus had, had charted him zero of eight contested catch wow. situations. He had lost all eight of them. And like, wow. yo, that's the thing. It's like, it's just a tough way to live. If that's your guy, like they, it's just a, if that's how you're going to win in the NFL, it's just really tough right. to live that way. It is. Um, although yeah, that's interesting stuff, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting because he makes these like highlight level plays, but then it's the plays that you don't see that are not on the highlights that you're like, okay, yeah, but he probably need to come down with that. Totally. Yeah. Right. It's just, uh, it's going to be really volatile if that's how you're going to be used. And, um, I think he can, and pr maybe will get better, um, in the like short to intermediate area. And I think he's taken a little bit of a step this year. They're using him at least a little bit more that way. And, and that'll help offset some of the separation stuff. But, um, yeah, it just like, shouldn't be an insult. If you, be, if you say like, Oh yeah, George Pickens could be like a Mike Williams or a Kenny Galladay or something like that, which is, we talked about him being like very similar RP wise to Kenny Galladay in the off season. Yeah. You know, it's like right. that if he ends up being that player, like that's perfectly fine and should be considered a win. All right, so we've got a couple games now uh, in the bag here for Jamison Williams. Obviously had a disappointing uh, week number seven. Six targets, zero grabs for zero yards. Uh, how are we feeling now? Give me a little temperature check. Give me a little buy or sell on Jamison Williams in Detroit. I think I'm kind of selling, man. Um, okay. Like, he's, he's definitely... Had some miscues. We could, we can say that, right? He's had some drops. Yep. He's had some issues oh, yeah. tracking the ball. Even like his big touchdown reception against the Bucks, like he had kind of misplayed one right before that. And then right. even like, did Jared Goff throw it over the wrong shoulder? Did he track it over the wrong shoulder? He like barely came down with that touchdown. Like I, I thought it was interesting that even after that, he was like getting coaching points from Antoine Randall L, their receiver coach, mm -hmm. um, on the sideline there, like. I don't know. I mean, I wonder if he's like, yeah, I know you caught the touchdown, but like, here's how they could have done it a little bit better. Like, <laughs> I think he's like a developing player, really. Yeah. And there's going to be some cool moments and there's going to be some really low moments. And right now I'm selling on him. I'm hoping that by like December, uh, he is more of just a routine part of the offense because I think they could really use him uh, to be that guy. It's just like we're so far away from him being like a consistent contributor, like I mean, God forbid, like people want to talk about him in fantasy all the time. Like you need like so many more proven moments before you're thinking about like starting him in fantasy or even like, I don't even know if he's like a guy you, you got to roster Jameson Williams or whatever, but like, Hey, he is a talented player and the light bulb could turn on at any moment. But I just think we need to kind of have reasonable expectations here from a reception perception charting, you know, 
profile methodology, if you will. You know, when you look at, take a look at Jameson Williams, um, I think what you had charted for him was that he was great over the top, right? Really good on yeah. these deep routes. But in terms of when you start to become a viable NFL wide receiver, uh, and I know we talk about this all the time, but you start, you got to start winning in the intermediate areas of the field, or at least give me some kind of off-speed pitch, right? So either you're going to win on slant routes, or, and you're going to win over the top, right, or something short and underneath, and maybe you're a yak guy or whatever it might be. What does Jamison Williams need to do? Because I think it's pretty clear um, that he can stack defenders when he goes yard. And I'm, and I'm hesitating here because um, maybe that's not the case, but certainly he's got the athleticism and the speed um, to, to stress defenses over the top. But what does he have to do to then, again, get into these good graces and, again, just be a, a consistent contributor week in and week out? Yeah, like when you become really scary as a vertical threat is when you can also like sell, sell, sell those vertical routes and snap back and work back to the quarterback, especially against man coverage on the outside or off man coverage on the outside, uh, press man, whatever. Like it, that's when you can really scare a defense. And I think that's still like even from his collegiate RP profile. And he definitely is a guy I need to do an, an in-season profile mm -hmm. up at some point, like get something in the tracker um, for, for Jamison Williams. And I'm, I'll get to that some point here in the next few weeks. You know, he's I think he's playing enough now at this point, 44 percent of the snaps last week where we yeah. can probably get something done on that. But just from a college profile standpoint, that was I thought the weakest part of his game is selling vertical and coming back to the quarterback and working back in that way. But where he was really good, obviously, was working those deep routes, corners, nines, posts, but also like crossing routes, slants and and drags and and, and those big crossing routes, stuff like that, like I mentioned. But um, yeah, I think to be a consistent player, that's sort of the biggest area he needs to grow. Okay. There you go. All right. Uh, a little bit of a longer show, but that's okay. A lot of information, uh, certainly we threw out there today, which is great, man. And, uh, and I, and I was off the show for a week, so I was itching to say a bunch of stuff, man. So yeah, you had back. a lot to get off the chest. <laughs> we're back, baby. We're back. Uh, anyways, if you guys would like, and subscribe to the show, man, that would be awesome. Uh, and recommend the show to a friend, man. Like, that would be pretty dope for us as well. So there you go. If you want to support us, that's the best way to go about doing that. So there you go. Be sure to check out the website, receptionperception.com. Remember, it's never too late. It is never too late to chase your dreams. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Go. We will see you.